What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 133 of a Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. I have a question for you. Do you remember when your relationship with food got complicated? Do you remember when it started to feel chaotic and shameful? Do you remember when you you got to the point where you didn't feel acceptable in your own skin? Well, I have a letter today from someone who connects with the fact that her relationship with food has been complicated literally since birth. It started with some allergies and morphed into relationship with food that helped her cope with trauma. So I want to just share a content warning that this letter shares a person's experiences with trauma, including sexual abuse and physical abuse, and also disordered eating throughout her lifetime. And we talk a lot about how people want to help improve their relationship with food and want to see it differently. But yet many people talk about how they connect that they had this trauma as a youngster and they still feel like so ashamed of it and still feel like the relationship with food in the present now as an adult still doesn't feel like it's better. And I use that word intentionally, that it just hasn't gotten better yet. I can't wait to dive in. And as I was re-listening to the episode, getting ready to do this part of it, I realized that I mentioned two parts of the letter and I didn't answer one part of it. So I'm going to have to save it for another time. This person talks about how they are living at a higher weight and also experience infertility. 
And I said I would get back to the infertility part, but I never did. So you know what? I'll have to do another episode on that one. But anyway, I think you'll get so much from it, especially if you live at a higher weight or or and have experienced uh, childhood abuse of any kind or just really have a complicated relationship with food and are feeling just so annoyed and embarrassed that it's still hard. I think you'll relate to this letter and I hope the discussion that we have afterward, I hope it gives you some new tools to experiment with. Before we get to this episode's letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode of a Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. I have one that's for people affected by PCOS. And if you're wondering what those initials mean, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And many people with this condition have a complicated relationship with food because they're told they have to diet in order to make themselves healthier. And diets don't work for, for anyone. So why would they work for people with PCOS? So I came up with the system after working with hundreds and hundreds of women affected by PCOS, and it's a 12-step system to help people promote health, do intuitive eating work, and help their relationship with food at the same time. Yes, it is possible. I also have a course that helps train other dietitians to do the same work. You can get access to everything on my website, juliedillonrd.com. There, you can also sign up to get the most recent Food Peace Syllabus. And what is that? Well, that's a collection of books, podcasts, anything under the sun that we have gathered along the last 133 plus episodes of the Love Food Podcast that are just resources that help promote your food peace journey to be in the direction you want it to go. And you can get to that again at juliedillonrd.com. If you enjoy this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you could leave a rating review maybe share the episode with someone who may benefit from it or subscribe. It's kind of weird, but doing those small acts of kindness helps the Apple podcast um, algorithms just, I don't know, maybe help other people find it. We're not really sure how the algorithms work, but that's one little nugget that we've been able to glean, we podcasters. So I appreciate in advance any kind of act of kindness that you can do just to help the show grow and to help more people find this podcast because- What I always say, everyone deserves to feel at home in their own skin today. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear food, dear, oh dear food, you have been the bane of my existence since I was born. I started with dairy allergies that took time to diagnose. So from a newborn, my food relationship has been difficult. That difficulty has morphed into many different things. Anxiety, soothing with food, fear of food, restriction, bulimia, anorexia, binge eating, and so on. I've struggled to understand you. When I was young, about six years old, my life changed a lot because of an abusive home life. Then at seven, it turned to sheer torture due to physical and sexual abuse. I coped by stealing food at home, other people's houses, stores, and so on, hiding and eating it. I learned to eat until sick, then get rid of it to make myself feel better so I could eat some more. One very traumatizing event, I remember hiding multiple peanut butter and jellies behind the trash can in the cabinet for later. And once the event was over, I hid where I thought I belonged behind the trash and ate them all. 
at seven years old. The trauma, really the torture, went on and on, and I ate and ate, and I gained and gained. I was also tortured in school for my weight and lack of social skills. Through all of this, I was caring for my younger sister since no one was taking care of either of us and was also caring for my parents who could not care for themselves. As I grew into a teenager, my body started to change, but it was changing differently from others. I didn't know at the time that it was polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, but it was. I was growing hair on my face. I started shaving my face at about 12 or 13. My body shape was different and my weight was going up at what I was told an alarming rate. By sixth grade, I was quote unquote obese. Once the torture stopped at home, not in my mind, I was 20. I kept on eating. Doctors kept telling me to lose weight. My mother kept telling me how terrible I looked. And others would tell me, you would have such a pretty face and eyes if you would just lose some weight. I kept eating and getting rid of it. I had two stays in a mental health facility and they tried to work on my relationship with food, but that was not the major reason I was impatient. There was a much more intense reason I was there. They tried, but I was not ready. 11 years ago, at 28, after trying to conceive for about a year, I was diagnosed with PCOS. It took us three years to conceive the first time, which ended as an early loss. I had six more losses and then no other pregnancies. I ate through all those losses and was told, had I not been so fat, I would not have gotten PCOS and would also be able to stay and get pregnant by a doctor. I ate some more until I didn't. I started restricting about six years ago and lost a very significant amount of weight. I was restricting so much I would pass out due to an inability to keep my blood pressure high enough and could not keep my body temperature stable to the point where I wore winter clothes in the summer. I kept this going for two years. Then the binging started again. I was never able to get my weight low enough to alert any doctors of an eating disorder, but I would guess this was from my PCOS. I have since been working with a wonderful therapist for seven years and an amazing eating disorder and health at every size registered dietitian for almost two years. I still struggle to this day with the thoughts that go along with an eating disorder. Dear, oh dear food, will I ever get you? Will I ever understand you? I know none of this is about you, but it is just a way to cope and control one small part of my life when I was unable to control anything but morphed to lack of control around you. I want a relationship with you, food, but it's oh so embarrassingly hard. I do have hope, food, that someday there will be calmness and no charge between you and I. Someday I can enjoy you. Love, frustrated, but hopeful. Hey, frustrated, but hopeful. Thanks for your note. And I hope that I'm able to give you some ways to move forward. Rather, maybe just illuminate some different paths and different options as you're traveling along your food peace journey. I hope that we're able to answer, will you ever understand or will you ever get it? But I think it's important to really take some time looking through your letter in the terms of the past, the present, and the future. And in your note, you describe trauma that 
seems like it took up your whole childhood. And the way that you connected to food, when I was reading it, I was like, that's how she survived, was how she coped with food. What an amazing strength to use something that as humans, we need to survive and we have around us and it's not illegal to use, you know, being able to connect with food as a coping mechanism. I, you know, in your note, you, you mentioned how you felt so much shame in using food to survive. And I wish you didn't because I really see it as a strength that you went through trauma like so many people have never experienced. Although I have a feeling there's someone listening right now who can totally relate to that childhood that you described. And maybe they had the same kind of experience eating behind the trash can, but also thinking those horrible thoughts about themselves. And what I wish for you is that there was a way to rewire or reframe or just somehow note in there in your history that yes, there's shame with it, but also you are coping. And wow, what an amazing strength that you were able to do that. And not only were you able to save yourself, but you also were helped, able to help your sister and your parents. And that's the part psychologically that's so interesting is that you weren't ever really able to have a childhood because you had to hurry up and grow up to save these three other people and yourself. So again, I, I want to say that how you coped, how I'm viewing it as someone who studies food behavior is this amazing strength. And if we kind of turn toward the present, moving away from the past, we still are holding on to it. And as you're asking these questions, these discovery questions, you know, will I ever understand food? Will I ever get food? I think it's important to really acknowledge that strength that you had as a child, that really you did everything you could to survive. And anyone who can relate with your experience, you are survivors and warriors and so important for us to hear your story. And I hope you can also look back at that person, that really important, precious um, girl, and, and look at that experience with compassion, because self-compassion is what I would prescribe for you in the present. And there's something that makes the present really tricky for you, letter writer. Um, I don't really know from reading your note if you um, are now living at a higher weight. I know you weight cycled or your weight went, um, it was up and then it went down, but I'm hoping that you're in a safer place, that you're not having the blood pressure issues and all the other medical complications that you were getting from losing weight or suppressing your weight. So I'm wondering if you are back at a higher weight. I'm going to assume, just as I'm talking now, that you are, that you're at a higher weight. I'm also wondering if you resolved infertility, but I'm going to hold that one down for a second or hold it away because I really want to talk about the higher weight part. Because if you are living at a higher weight, for you letter writer or anyone listening, you know, you're constantly getting re-traumatized by walking this earth. Since most of us are living in a culture that doesn't identify a higher weight as an acceptable body, 
um, that doesn't allow spaces that are accessible for higher weight bodies, maybe chairs in classrooms or in airplanes, or even have the ability to connect with comprehensive healthcare. I know the kind of the stereotypical, but all too common experience for people I know at higher weights is when they go to the doctor with a sore throat or strep throat, they get um, told that they should lose weight. (laughs) Like, what does that have to do with strep throat? Um, So I feel like it's something as someone who has been trying to recover from childhood trauma, what makes your relationship with food still feel so hard is that you are constantly being re-traumatized by our current culture and climate about weight. The aggressive kind of way of trying to get rid of higher weight is re-traumatizing you and anyone with a similar life experience. So your way of coping is still going to be with food because again, that was genius. That was such a strength of yours. And so I'm still so relieved that you have it. And if you were a robot, I guess the way that we could help you to have a different relationship with food that felt more neutral or was no longer needed was to remove the trauma from the world, not make your weight change. Because honestly, it's going to be easy, easier for us as a culture to change our view of higher weight bodies than for you to successfully keep your weight down without harming yourself long-term. That without a doubt is scientifically proven and evidence-based that for most people, that's just not an option. That weight, long-term weight loss is just not going to be an option for most people. And so we as a culture need to change our view of bodies in order for you to not have to be constantly traumatized. And, you know, not only is it just being a kind fellow human, but living in trauma is something that, especially with PCOS, is medically harmful. It raises insulin levels, blood sugar levels, blood pressure. It also contributes to more inflammation. And if you're not familiar with PCOS, PCOS is something that causes this pro-inflammatory state, which just makes a person so tired and erodes certain systems and helps hormone levels be con- like totally dysregulated. And so for you, letter writer, and anyone with a similar life experience, the way to promote health and peace is to change the culture. And of course, one person can't do that. We all need to do that together. We all do. And so I hope you're finding places where you feel safe. I'm so glad you've connected with therapists, helpers who um, welcome and affirm people of different sizes. And I'm so glad you connected with a dietitian that also affirms people at higher weights. And um, I hope you connect with more and more people who have that, I don't just way of thinking so you can feel more okay and at home in your own skin. And as you're connecting with that and you're really practicing self-compassion, I hope you do give yourself permission. Whenever you notice that relationship with food is feeling really hard, I know you said embarrassingly hard, when you're connecting with that experience of being like, oh, I'm so embarrassed, to really give yourself that compassion 
And then once you connect with compassion, permission, because you are living in the trauma right now and you're coping with the past trauma every time you're re-traumatized. And so to notice when that happens, and I'm, I have a feeling you and your therapist and dietitian talk about this already, but for anyone listening who's in a similar place, when you're in that place of trying to practice permission and noticing what's going on, the more you can find other tools that also help you cope, the more you'll find your relationship with food will be easier. It doesn't mean that it won't be charged or hard and sometimes still embarrassingly hard, but you may find that you just have other tools and other options. So we talked about the past and we talked about the present. So what I think about as we maybe together just right now look toward the future, for you letter writer, maybe the direction you're wanting to go. And as you're looking at the future, I hope that practice with self-compassion becomes more normal because I think it'll help that future look clearer and will feel easier in its ambiguity because I don't know how the culture is going to look. We are trying really hard to change the culture. There are so many culture makers out there that are trying to help them make the world safer for people who are different, including people at higher weights. But of course, I can't promise that food won't have a charge. And honestly, I don't want to promise that anyway, because food has more connection than just fuel. And that's something that as a dietitian, I have really changed my perspective. I think in the beginning, I really just wanted food to be neutral. But, oh, that sounds like total boring bullshit because we're not robots and we connect with food and food does help us feel better. And again, it saved you from trauma. So I want it to remind you of the strength that you have, that you were able to survive something so, so hard. One thing that I would like to put on the food peace syllabus that I think could be helpful for you, letter writer, and anyone exploring the same type of recovery from trauma is the book that was um, released not too long ago. It's called Binge Eating Disorder, The Journey to Recovery and Beyond. It's by Amy Pershing and also Shavise Turner helped out with it. And Amy Pershing was on the Love Food podcast and Shavise Turner was one of the people I interviewed for the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. And they are people who have recovered themselves and talk a lot about the trauma associated with living at a higher weight and, um, I don't know, just how to make sense of it for you. That success and solutions, they feel so finite. And I hope that you can give yourself permission to notice what you need and the path that you want to go and just give yourself the space and the tools and the compassion to light it up so you can see it and trust it. So I see food as written back letter writer. And I'm so grateful you wrote. Your words, I know, are going to connect with so many other people. Before we go, I want to let you know that this episode was sponsored by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. You can get access to all the information at juliedillonrd.com. If you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you could leave a rating, review, subscribe, or share an episode. Doing any of those acts of kindness really helps the show grow. All right, food is written back. So until next time, take care.
sincere, frustrated, and hopeful. We remember sitting together behind the trash can. You were full of shame and disappointment and fear. We wish you recognized how strong you were in that moment. And you carry that same strength today. Let your past strengths inform your present connections. Give yourself permission to meet your needs and notice what they are. Doing so will give you the answers only you can provide. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.